0: morning, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's new? Um, not
1: a not mucho, a, <laughs> not a show. <mucho. laughs> not a much, not much. No, um, basically just enjoying the rest of the summer that we have left. <laughs> not much left. No, school starts in ten days. Are you sad? Yeah.
0: He's actually going to be going to in school. Person, yeah. yeah.
1: He's excited about it, but I'm not, so. Mm. Kids are jerks.
0: Kids are jerks, (laughs) but I'm not about punching a five-year-old if they're mean to him.
1: I probably shouldn't say that. I'm just
0: kidding. I won't punch a (laughs) five-year-old unless they're mean to my nephew. It's
1: totally a joke. (laughs) Don't come at me. (laughs) No, I, I think he'll have fun. I'm.
0: That's going to be good for him to be around.
1: It will. I'll just be sad for a couple of days. And then one, once he gets into the routine and everything, it'll be easier. But at first, it's going to be a little hard.
0: Will you be curled into a ball, like singing dale while he's
1: gone? <laughs> well, I did take the first day of school off work, so mm. I can take him and pick him up and yeah. sit in the parking lot the whole day.
0: Yeah, and watch for him yeah. with binoculars. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> the police are so going to show up on you. <laughs> no,
1: nah, I, I won't be quite that bad, but it will be a long day. Now, the first day he went to preschool was a long day, and he was only there three hours.
0: Speaking of my nephew, so we went to a um, baseball game. We have a uh, local team that's uh, semi-pro, I guess, like the Appalachian League is what they're that's yeah. what they're called, right? Yes. Well, anyway, we went to a game and um, <laughs> we were sitting there eating before the game started, and he said he calls me T Ray. So he said, Aunt T Ray, Aunt T Ray, I have something important to tell you. I said, Oh yeah, buddy, what is it? he? Goes, there's a new episode of Ted Lasso tonight. <laughs>
1: I thought I was going to die No, just to cover myself He actually does not watch (laughs) Ted Lasso But Chris and I do And it's a fun show And I highly recommend it It really is, I enjoy it a lot It's funny, it's got good characters I like it But catch you know when he goes and plays in his room you know we'll watch an episode or something so he doesn't really watch it Mm -hmm. but he's heard of it and he (laughs) he heard us say before we left i was like isn't there a new episode tonight
0: (laughs) so it shows one a week it's on apple right
1: yeah one every friday Mm -hmm. and i mentioned this to you so i have gotten so used to like binge watching shows that i kind of get frustrated with shows that are only one a week Mm -hmm. it's like how, like, old-fashioned are you? <laughs> it's like, I want to watch 20 episodes and eat junk food. And uh-huh. I can't do that when you only give me a 30-minute episode once a week. I hear
0: you. I hear
1: it Just It's not the same. Because we were talking about, you know, shows used to come on in the fall. And then, you know, they would stay on pretty much till the spring. Yeah. And then they would be gone for the summer. And now shows that are once a week, it's like they'll be on for like two weeks and be like, and see the next whatever. And it'll be like three weeks away. Mm-hmm. And then you'll watch two more and it will be like, see the next. It's like, it's not consistent. You get lost in it, I You think. do. You kind of lose track of where you even were. Mm-hmm. It's like... If it was consistent, I wouldn't mind as much, which which the Disney Plus shows that came out once a week, they were consistent, and this
0: is, but the network shows, it's like they're all over the place. Especially this past year with uh, COVID COVID and everything like that, it was kind of off and on. Yeah, a lot. That, that probably didn't help. That didn't help. But
1: I've, we've gotten spoiled, I guess, to seeing everything. Like, was, you just want to watch the whole thing start to finish. Well, see,
0: like Hulu, like I like The Handmaid's Tale when it comes out. But they release the first three episodes at one time. So mm-hmm. you kind of get, like, a, a full taste. Before, but then they go to one week. Yeah. One every week. And I'm like, oh, just release it all. Because, I mean. <laughs> release it all already. <laughs> I want to know what happens. Well,
1: here's the thing. I, in my opinion, Like, shows like that, it's easier to lose, it is easier to lose interest. Yeah. Because if you miss a few episodes, you're kind of like, eh, Mm
0: -hmm. you may not go back and do it. That's what's happened with Riverdale, because I used to watch Riverdale, and then I just, I lost it. Yeah. I was like, I don't even remember what happened last time. Because it had been like a month, maybe more, before a new episode had come on. Right. So. And then you don't want to,
1: like, go back and watch it. It's like it's kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh, I'll move on to something like, else I that, that I can on on watch the whole thing. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree with you on that.
1: Like, I mean, there's supposed to be a new Cobra Kai this fall. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, they're saying probably around Christmas, like December. Yes. Uh, the trailer looks, I mean, it's teaser, but it's, it's yes. fun.
0: I love some Cobra Kai. I think it's going to be good this time. I can't wait for Yellowstone, because Yellowstone was supposed to come out in the summer, because it's a summer show, I mm-hmm. mean, but they they moved it back to November, so I was disappointed about that. But they released, they're doing a prequel show. I was going to bring that up, yeah. What with Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill.
1: Yeah, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming Sam Elliott will play, like, the older Dutton
0: yeah, because I think it's, like, set in the 1880s. Yeah. Because
1: yeah. I think that's what it's called, like, 1883. Yeah, something like that, yeah. and Or maybe 84. Something like that. One of those.
0: It's in the 1800s. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I'm assuming being the,
0: you know... Oh, he was born to play that kind of character anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> and they can add other characters,
1: too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in, like, beginning stages, mm-hmm. so... But I don't watch Yellowstone, so... Oh, it ended on, in a
0: huge cliffhanger. I've, the read, season. I've read about it, but... But whoever's responsible for stuff that went down... They're going to pay. Rip is going to be on a rampage. It's going to be fabulous. And that's who Paul's going to be for Halloween. Really? Yeah, Paul's going to be Rip and I'm going to be Beth. Nice. Because yeah. I won't have to do much. <laughs> I just got to find her attitude. Yeah. Because I don't have it. You got to harness her chi. Yeah. <laughs> So another thing I was listening to another podcast. I've been trying to branch out and listen to different ones. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of writing podcasts and uh because I'm actually writing a book right now and I'm doing very well on it. Um gotten pretty far. Yeah. But um so they were talking about lessons that have been learned from horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially like the late nineties, early two thousands, the horror movie genre got reborn, basically, with Scream and everything. And that's when, like, characters in the movies became self-aware.
1: Well, I think also, too, they were trying to realize that the audience was, was smarter, smarter yeah. in terms of, like, nobody would really do that. Yeah. You know what
0: I'm saying? You know, like, in the first Scream, you know, Sydney's on the phone and is talking to the killer, and she says that she doesn't watch, them, watch horror movies because it's insulting because it's big-breasted women running up the stairs when they should be going out the front door. But then when she gets attacked... She runs up the stairs. She runs sta- up the stairs because you kind you of get her lost. Def- she tried to go out the front door. I was going to say, in
1: her defense, she did try to go out the front door, and she couldn't. However, one thing I've learned from horror movies is you never try to go out, like, a small, like, a- a- opening. No. Like, that's not going to end well. No. Like, no matter what it is, like in Screamio, the garage, the little doggy door, who would ever attempt that? Number one, it's going to be slow. Mm-hmm. You know you may not fit. You're going to get stuck. You're going to, yeah, mm. that's just not smart. You'd have been better off to, like, try to kick him in the balls and go back out the other door. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: but anyhow, I, yeah, I don't, and that's one thing. That's one thing. And then, you know, you have the ones that you obviously know. You you don't say, I'll be right back. Because you, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> and you, um, you don't split up to go look for something. Yes. Like, if you're in a group of people, stay with that group of people because chances are... One of them is probably the killer, and if you get paired up with that person, you're going you're going to be played. So well, we don't I mean, want
1: that. Everybody knows the old saying: "There's safety in numbers," uh-huh. and it's true too. Yeah. Most you know it is. Mm-hmm. So let's split off into little grooves, and you don't go. So we're easier to pick off, <laughs> and you don't
0: come <laughs> investigating a strange noise. You know what? You call the police. The guy Yes, the Geico commercial. You know that Geico commercial where it's that group of friends and they're like running through the... uh, Oh, yes. They're saying all this stuff like, let's run through the cemetery. And the girl's like, why don't we just get in the running car? And they're like, are you insane?
1: It's like the most obvious right answer and you don't do it. A lot of times that does happen in horror movies, it seems like. And I understand why it does. Mm -hmm. But it's like, here's something too. Like, I don't really consider myself a brave person but even so, I don't think if I knew that a killer was in a house that I would intentionally go in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd be like, you're on your own.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with these these teenagers in all these movies, and we've been there as well, you know. Th- there's a killer on loose in the town, and it's always a good idea to have a big party out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because what could go wrong? But th- those are lessons that are learned from the 90s, and so... You, you know, you you. you what, what generation are they now? Gen Z? No, Gen X. Z, I think Is it, Z. I think because we're Z. Gen X, right? We're between Gen X and Millennial. Right. We're like old Millennial, so we're not really Millennial. Don't put us with millennials. <laughs> but yeah, they need to take that into their. You know, don't have a party if there's a killer on the loose. No, it's probably not a good idea. Uh, I mean, you just. You just don't do some of that stuff. And parking garages, always be a little leery of parking garages.
1: Now, that's a true statement. Like, Mm -hmm. I am, in general, I have to park in a parking garage now. And it's, you know, at normal times. It's not not like at weird, you know, night times when no one's there. And I still always am kind of like, I don't like
0: this parking garage. If you park near the door or the elevator or whatever, you have to, you know, try to get as close to that as you can so you don't have to walk through a bunch of cars. Right. And walking between cars in parking lots, I'm big about that, too. Because that's what I was telling Paul, because, you know, I run. I'm not fast. I I jog. Let's say that. But uh, he was like, well, where are you going to go running at? I was like, well, I'm going to go to the park. He's like, well, you can run on the road. I was like, well, you know, since we've been doing the podcast, I I, I kind (laughs) of don't want to go running on the road, because... You know, we hear these stories every day, and you think you live in a little quiet town—all these quiet towns where nothing can happen—and then, then it does. So, um well, yeah. it hasn't been that long ago that the one guy saw the girl running mm-hmm. and turned around and went and got her. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little—I le- mean—and I'm super vigilant when I when I'm. I did run on the road one day last week, and. I'm, like, paranoid. If I see a car pass me twice, I'm like, okay. I pull my phone out, and I have Paul's number pulled up because I know he's, like, less than a mile off the road. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, if I ever go missing, make sure you track my Fitbit. They'll take my phone, but they won't take my Fitbit. Yeah, most likely. So, well, if they heard that, they might, but
1: don't do that. <laughs> They're probably not listening to this. They're no. too busy stalking their next victim.
0: Yeah. But, you know, you do learn stuff while you're reading about all these cases, and... That's one of the things that uh, we wanted to do while we were doing this is just make people aware of situations. People with kids, you read that all the time, that they're being followed in these stores or, you know, when they go out um, to the parking lot, especially when it's just a mother and a child or a mother and a couple kids and everything with sex trafficking in the way it is right now. And, you know, you you do have to, we're in a world where you have to be hyper aware of everybody. Right. And, I mean, even you think somebody's just being nice, striking up a conversation with you, it, it could not be. You know, it could be a distraction to, you know, take your kid or do something to you. So, you know, that's something we wanted to um, make people aware of in doing this podcast because we've learned a lot from yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: definitely think about things. I mean, I kind of always have, just because of being interested in this kind of thing, mm-hmm. you, you always think. You know, know where your exits are and all that stuff, but like being vigilant of the people around you—that's uh-huh. a big thing. Noticing, you know, if somebody seems a little bit strange or is taking particular interest in you, uh-huh. you know, it can doesn't always mean something, but it can. So,
0: I mean, there have been times I've come out like from the mall or Target or somewhere like that, and there's been a van, like an unmarked van, sitting beside my car. I will, I will wait. Until that that van's gone before I, because I don't want to get in my side, you know. Right. With the door to that van being on my side, because you just never know what you do. You read a lot, you watch a lot, and it does make you slightly paranoid. But I would rather be slightly paranoid than, you know, end up in that kind of situation.
1: Right. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Especially having a young child. Mm Mm-hmm. I always make sure that, no, I'm always between him and anything else that could come. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you always put him on the far side, you know? Yeah. So, but.
0: All right. Well, we're going to get started on episode 11. It's hard to believe we're 11 episodes in. We want to thank you all for sticking with us and listening and everything. And um, this one is, we thought it would be good because I think it'll bring up a lot of conversation. Um, probably a lot of different ideas on um If this was right, if it was not right, you know, uh, different opinions and everything. But um, this is the case of Jandra Brown. So Jandra Brown grew up as a young child in Twin Falls, Idaho. She was described by her mother, Susan, as the happiest kid in the room. People loved her. She had the nickname of Jelly Bean. She was an active kid who wanted to try everything. She liked skiing, tubing, uh, water slides, dancing, uh, she was an avid cheerleader, and they said that she was actually really, really good at it, and she won, like, a ton of awards for it. So in 2016, uh, Jandra was 15 years old, and she moved with her mother and stepfather to Spanish Fork, Utah, so they could be closer to her brother, Dustin, and his family. Uh, with the move, uh, you know, she has to go to a new school, so she has to make new friends. She left all of her friends behind and everything, and uh, she actually got a close-knit a group of girls, uh, Hannah Balt, Grace Jackson, and Ashton Wall. And they were actually all interviewed during a 48 Hours episode and talking about her and everything. Um, They said that they didn't get the opportunity to know her for very long because we're going to be talking about 2017. Right. So it was about a year. But um, they didn't get to know her for very long, but they all three had a good bond with her and that they said she was an amazing person. And uh, they were very fortunate to have her as their friend. So not too long after she moved to Utah, Sue, which is what her mom went by, they uh she noticed some changes within Jandra. Uh she kind of got a little withdrawn and seemed to be sad all the time. Um something she hadn't really been been like that before. Um she went from being happy all the time to being irritated easily, which raised concerns with her mother. Uh she actually ended up taking Jandra to the doctor and they diagnosed her with depression and um prescribed her some antidepressants. So her mother believed that the move may have had a uh, greater impact than she had originally thought with Jandra. Uh, she missed her family and friends that were back in Idaho. And she thought that, um, and though she had made new friends, it just wasn't the same for her. Right. So she was, she was withdrawn. And like a lot of teenagers go through this, right. whether it's moving to a new place or anything like that. All teenagers go through A really angsty time Well
1: or just starting a new school Like going from middle school to high school Like it can be anything Mm -hmm. with teenagers
0: So Well I mean you can have a fight with a friend You Mm -hmm. can you know have disagreements with your parents You can you know um, Be involved in something you love And then you know Not get to do that anymore Uh, I went through that And that was a really hard time for me And it was super angsty for me And Mm -hmm. So I know that everything with teenagers is so heightened.
1: Right. Everything is on um, it's either life or death. Yes. It's you know, there's not much in between.
0: And they don't they don't know that you know, it's short-lived. You'll get it. It's You'll very over short-lived. It. And um, you know, that's what's tragic about this that yeah. it, that that was very short-lived.
1: So um now I did read that um, Jandra had been treated for depression when she was in Idaho too, mm-hmm. but, apparent- Not to the extent. Yeah, but apparently this was a little bit more, um, it lasted longer and it seemed like it was having more effect on her. Mm-hmm. Now her friends also did report that she did cut herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did have
0: some issues going
1: on, but she was, you know, her mother was trying to get help for mm-hmm. her.
0: And um, like psychologists and, um, all doctors have said that cutting yourself is a way of giving like a physical pain to the emotional, mental pain that you can't really see, but you feel. So it gives you something to it's a like physical, a release. So, yeah. It's a release for it. And i I'm, I know a lot of people who have done that, you know, especially teenagers and everything. But like I said, it, it's so sad that teenagers go through this and don't see any way out. Right. You know, th- that it's, the end of everything, like, because, like I said, it is so heightened when you're a
1: teenager. Oh uh, yeah, all of your emotions are heightened. It's not just the bad ones. No, like the good ones are heightened too. You know, when you're super happy, you're nothing will like, be better than that right. you think. Yeah, and then when you're you know depressed, it's like this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. And it's never going to get any better. Yeah. So I mean, it is. I mean, it's a you know, your brain is still developing at this time, so you you are not. I don't think you're fully aware of the consequences mm-hmm. of some of your actions. You're not able to fully you know understand what's going on that being said you know once you're you know, certain, right, from wrong. You know right from wrong right it doesn't change your moral compass per se mm-hmm. it may make you more impulsive or things like that but, makes you more
0: impressionable too right
1: yes for someone to be able to come in and convince you of things yes. yeah yeah
0: yeah so
1: um on may 5th 2017 jandra had been caught with weed and she was really scared of how her mom was going to react she had actually been caught with it before in Idaho, so this was not the first time that she had been caught with weed. This time, though, she was suspended from school. Um, her mother had told her when she got home that they weren't. she wasn't going to yell at her or anything like that, that they would actually talk about it when they both had had time to mellow out about it. I thought that was
0: pretty cool. It was.
1: I mean, you know, she was, she understood what she was going through. She's like, you know what? I'm not going to... We're not going to fight about this right now. You've probably been yelled at at school. Yeah, today. you. You know, we'll talk about it later. So that you know, that was it was a good thing. Um, Jandra had a job at Wendy's, and in, um, in, near the area, and so she had to work. So her mother drove her to work, and that was the last time she saw Jandra alive. Um, Jandra was supposed to get off work around 1.30 in the morning, but she never came home um her mother couldn't call her phone because she had taken it away as punishment for being caught with weed so kind of a you know odd twist mm-hmm. that um you know she didn't have her phone at this particular time yeah. but um so since she couldn't call her she called the police her mother thought that jandra had most likely run away because she was afraid that she was going to be in trouble when she got back um And that her mother was going to be mad at her. Mm -hmm. So at first it didn't like set off any real red flags because she thought, oh, you know, she's just upset. She thinks I'm going to yell at her. She needs to cool off. She's probably just gone somewhere with a friend Mm -hmm. to, you know, hang out or whatever. And I can't call her. See, so that's another thing that she, had she been trying to call her and she wasn't answering, that would have probably made it more urgent. Yeah. Yeah. But thinking, you know, well, I've got her phone. Mm-hmm. She's probably mad she doesn't have her phone. She's mm-hmm. afraid she's going to get in trouble. So, you know, it didn't immediately, you know, you didn't jump to something bad has happened. Yeah. So um, on May 6th, 2017, so this is the next day, the police were called to Maple Lake and Payson Canyon around 7.15 a.m. Uh, Payson Canyon is about 20 miles south of Provo, Utah. A turkey hunter had discovered a body hanging from a tree. Um, And this area is, it's like a hunter's area. It's not easy to get to. It's wooded. Um, Basically, it's very secluded. There's not a lot around. So, it's an odd place for a teen or for anyone Anyone, to be, unless you're hunting. Right. So, um, the police get to the scene, and there were two grocery bags. Um, One had a receipt inside for the purchase of a rope. And on that receipt was a name, Tyrell Prohibition. The other bag had a note that read, My name's Jandra Brown and I hated my life. Watch the video, it's on my phone. And there was a phone inside the bag... And it was an old phone. I'm assuming that Jandra had that didn't have service on it, but she could um, still record, take pictures, probably connect to Wi-Fi. So she probably I wondered
0: that too when I first started doing the research. I was like, "Well, her mom had taken away her phone, mm-hmm. so but she had a almost like a burner phone. Yeah. yeah,
1: Or like I said, you know, I have an old phone that we let Cash watch, yeah. you know, yeah. YouTube Kids on, and all he can do is get Wi-Fi on. She and had he can't a spare.
0: Call. I'm I'm sure a lot of teens probably have. A spare.
1: They probably do, and so she did have access. She, I don't believe it could call or anything like that, though. Right. So um, the police were unable to actually watch the video on the phone because the cell phone battery had died and the phone wouldn't turn on. Um, one of the officers took the phone to his car and charged it, and when they were able to turn the phone on, they found a video, of Jandra Suicide. Um, the video lasted just a little over 10 minutes, and it showed Jandra dying while the person videoing the death stood by and did nothing.
0: That's insane to me. Absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. So the police were obviously determined to talk to this Tyrell Prohibition because his name is on the receipt. And ironically enough, um, they did not have to go look for him um, while they're there, you know, investigating the area, collecting evidence and all that. He came up to them and he said, I think you want to talk to me.
0: Yeah. I was kind of blown away by all this. Mm-hmm. um. That he just happened to show up at the scene. I wonder if he actually fully left. left. Mm -hmm. I I, I wondered that.
1: Well, he did because he went with um, a friend to Wendy's. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But that's not saying he didn't drop the friend off and come back to the area and just kind of scope it out. Because I thought that too at first until I found that out. But um, what he had told the police at, at this time is that he was coming back to see if she was really dead.
0: Now, so it's obvious at this point he's the one who videoed the, her yeah, suicide. Yeah, I
1: don't think he ever denied it. Mm-hmm. And so basically this Tyrell prohibition and Jandra were friends. Um, they were introduced through um, mutual friends that they had had, the ones that you had mentioned earlier on... According to the one friend, Hannah, Jandra and Tyrell began hanging out pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, their friends say that Jandra and Tyrell, they weren't like boyfriend and girlfriend, but they were just friends. Um, they said Jandra always was very wanting to include people and didn't want people to feel left out and things like that. And she thought she could help Tyrell because he also surf- I can't talk today. He suffered from depression as mm-hmm. well. And so she could relate to that. Um, Their friendship is kind of odd, though, because neither parent had heard of the other kid until this happened. Yeah. So, like, Brittany, um, Tyrell's mother, said she had never heard him mention Jandra. And Sue said the same thing about Jandra. She never heard her mention Tyrell. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an odd thing, I think, because typically teenagers, you know, even if you don't know them, like, you've heard their name. You've heard them talked about... But neither one said they had ever heard about the other. That's mm-hmm. kind of strange, I
0: think. Yeah, I found that. Because they spent, I think it was like three months, two or three months as friends before mm-hmm. this happened. And they were, like, together almost every day, according to this group of friends that they were with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it seems like their name would have come up in passing, if nothing else. What
1: makes me wonder, were they trying to hide it? Because mm-hmm. it makes me think that probably they were telling their parents they were with the other friends when they were really with each other, oh, that could be yeah. because it just seemed. Why would you not say? I don't know. It just makes me think, especially on Tyrell's part, that there was something wrong going yeah. on. You know what I'm
0: saying? Well, like his, why would you hide it? Yeah, his mother had said that you know, as a kid, like a little kid, he was he was quiet, mm-hmm. but that he was super smart. He was he was very good at math and science, and. Uh, uh, he liked sports. Mm-hmm. But um I don't think he actually played like organized sports, but he liked sports. Right. Um uh that uh but as he got older she noticed that his thoughts started being like super negative. hmm And that she had taken him to the doctor at one point. And, and that's the thing, these mothers did you know, they took their kids to the doctors. Mm-hmm. They saw a problem they, and they, and tried, they tried, tried to fix to get it help for it, yeah. yeah. And the doctor told her the first I guess it was the first doctor she took him to that um, he didn't diagnose him with depression. He just said he was a pessimist. Yeah. And I wondered about that, you know, that, you know, you're taking your kid to this doctor to try to get help, and, and they really just say, well, they just look at the world like
1: that. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Not really helping anything. But, um, no, like I said, they, they tried to get these kids help, and it just didn't seem to work for either one of them.
1: So, actually, when this happened, Tyrell was a little bit older than mm-hmm. uh, Jandra. He was 18 at the time. So, you know, he also is a, l- a bit older than her, not much. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual for an 18-year-old to be friends with a 16-year-old. Right. Um, but that may play into it, too, because he is seen as, you know, older. Maybe she thinks he knows more. I mm-hmm. don't know. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of people they definitely didn't describe him the way that it turns out that he actually is. Yeah, I mean, like you said, his mother had noticed some changes with, but most of the friends didn't really think there was anything, there were any issues with him. Mm-hmm. So it is strange. But um, so Tyrell automatically talks to the police. He doesn't, you know, he tells them that he had um that Jandra had texted him on May fifth and said. Let's do it tonight, referring to suicide. So according to Tyrell, Jandra and he had been talking about her suicide for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um he thought that she was really depressed and she told him that she didn't want to live. They had been it comes out a little later, it's more involved than it says, but he admits that they had been talking about it. And we'll get more into that in just
0: a little bit. So, um But they almost had, like, a pact, didn't they? Like, she thought he was going to commit suicide as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I, it was I like a suicide that, pact,
1: almost. Oh, Yeah, but I think that, I don't know if that, I, I don't know for sure if that's 100% true. Mm-hmm. But, so when Tyrell talked to the police at first, he didn't want to portray they were as close as they were. And he said that Jandra would keep telling him she wanted to die and, and actually asked him to kill her. But, um, after a while Tyrell told Jandra that he would help her commit suicide. Um, and that's when they began texting about it and how they were going to do it, when they were going to do it and all that. So he says on this day, May 5th, Jandra texted him and said, let's do this. So he went and he went to Wendy's and picked her up. They went to a store and Tyrell brought, bought the rope and two canisters of industrial-strength air duster. Um, They drove up to the canyon, and Tyrell tied the rope onto the tree branch. He had chosen that location because of the types of trees, that the limbs would be strong enough to hold her body, that they wouldn't just break.
0: So he had scouted it. Yeah,
1: he had researched this. Um, Actually, in the days prior to May 5th, Tyrell had researched also how to tie a noose. So he was planning this, like knowing it's coming, um, he told Jandra that the noose was tight and ready. So Jandra put the noose around her neck. She took a huff of the aerosol can, which was supposed to like kind of make her subdue or a little bit, make her kind of high, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she slipped off the rocks that were below her feet. So Tyrell had basically built like out of rocks, this little, I don't know what you would call Almost it. Almost like a step. Yeah. So she could stand on it until she you mm-hmm. know, was ready. So, um... She slipped off the rocks. Tyrell recorded the whole incident. He never tried to save or assist her in any way. Um, He actually checked her pulse and then left the scene. He went to pick up a friend. They went and got food at Wendy's. So basically, he stood there for 10 minutes recording her dying. He, you know, checks her pulse to make sure she's dead and then just leaves everything there. And goes and gets a friend and goes to get food. Wow. Never once, like, I I can almost, I can't understand it, but, you know, if you're thinking this idea and you're, you know, you you even go through the motions, you know, to set it up and everything, once she's actually, like, dying in front of you, it seems like something would click in your head. It's like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. What I thought was interesting, too, like, the police never Mentioned in the bags, or finding any type of knife or any kind of cutters, that if she changed her mind and said no, you know, you know, she had second thoughts, yeah, or she motioned somehow, get me down, whatever. There was nothing there that would have made that possible. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes me think
0: that, like, it was she wasn't no, coming out there a lot, no, one, one way, is, way or another. She's, in my opinion, that's
1: my opinion too. I think that. We'll get a little more into that in a little bit, but i, I do believe that, yeah, she was not going to come out of that alive um so he um Tyler admitted to the police during his interrogation too that he was obsessed with death um he did tell them that he never thought they would actually go through with the suicide, but
0: I don't know how you can say that when well, he also told them that he um you know, as he was recording it. I mean, you're watching somebody die for 10 minutes. And I mean, it's not like she jumped off of something high and broke her neck. Right. It it was a slow death. Like she was suffocating. She was suffocating to death. And to watch somebody do that for 10 minutes and say you're scared and so you fled the scene, I don't buy that at all. Because Mm -hmm. he's you can hear him talking on the recording and he's talking, well, this is when, you know, the blood stops pumping to, you know, to the brain and all this and he's saying this stuff very calmly very you know not like oh my gosh what have i done what has she done you know nothing mm-hmm. like that there's no sense of urgency in his voice at all or you know sense of regret or anything right. like that and um that's why I, yeah i don't think that um i don't think he was going to let her come out of there
1: well i don't either i like i said we'll talk about it in a little bit there's some other things that come up and so So during their police investigation, they obviously searched Tyrell's phone. And they found a message that Tyrell had sent a while back to another friend. It basically said, what would you do if you had a friend that wanted to kill themselves? And the friend answered back, I would talk them out of it, of course. And then Tyrell says, the thing is, I want to help them. It will be awesome. Seriously, I'm going to help her. It's like getting away with murder. I'm seriously not joking. It's going down in about a week or two. So he's looking at this as a way to commit murder without being charged for murder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to call into question, you know, what his... No, he tried to play it off as his motives were, I'm just helping a friend because she's so depressed, she wants to die, and I'm just helping her do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But in reading this, it sounds like I found a loophole in the system I can commit murder without actually being charged for it.
0: Well, I mean, you know, that's a fault. I mean, for yeah. somebody like that. That
1: Because he's obsessed with death. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with dying. Um, there were also some really, like, disturbing messages between he and Chandra. Um, he would ask her how she wanted to kill herself and if she wanted to do something that would make sure she absolutely had no chance to survive. Um, and then really, really, you know, disturbing messages like, He said, can I mutilate your body and cut your head off and dispose of your body? This is not someone who just wants to help a friend. No. You know, not, you know, fulfill their wish. This is somebody who is obsessed. Wants to know what it feels like. Yes. Yeah. It's not, this is not at all anything like he portrayed it to be. No. So he um, also, in the search of his phone, they found several images of child pornography. So there's a lot of things going on with him. Um, He's obsessed with death. He told the officers, he admitted that the, the child pornography images were his and that he had a problem that he couldn't stop looking at it. So there's a lot going on with him. He has, you know, he himself also has depression and things like that. There are, there's a lot going on here. Uh Um, He had also told the police that when he came back up to the canyon, he was going to check and make sure Jander was dead and also to collect the noose or rope and keep it. Uh This is like serial killer stuff.
0: So he He was going to go get the rope and keep it like as a souvenir. How was he going to get it? I I don't know. I mean, she was hanging from the tree. Right. How was he going to get it?
1: That goes back to my the he didn't have any knives or cutters. You, what you'd said is probably maybe accurate. If he was going back to get it and he had something with him to cut her down, saw the police and ditched it.
0: Yeah, because they wouldn't have been looking for anything because no, this it was is, a, suicide. It's a suicide. They have it on video. She I did mean, not
1: die of any you know. She wasn't stabbed. She no. wasn't cut. So they wouldn't necessarily be looking for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good possibility because I don't know how he would have got her down. Yeah. But that's what he told them, that he
0: was going to get the rope and keep it. And he probably was going back to mutilate. Well, depending on... I mean, he wanted to do it. He told her he wanted to do it. Yeah. And she
1: was dead. Mm -hmm. So what... She couldn't do anything about it at this point. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if they had searched around, I think they... And maybe they did, and they just didn't find anything. Um, But I feel like... He didn't come back empty-handed. He had to have come back with something. Number one to get the rope, cut her down and get the rope. Mm-hmm. But here's my question about that too. So he's planning on using this to get away with murder. But if he goes and cuts her body down, does he not realize that he's going to be charged with tampering with the evidence? You know, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So I kind of wonder, I don't know. I, I mean, as much as he as smart as he thought he was, he wasn't as smart as he should have been considering
0: how obsessed with this he was. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in a way, I think that he wanted to be tied. Well, he did. I know he did. Yeah. He wanted to be tied to this, not necessarily as
1: the murderer, the murderer
0: or mm-hmm. the accomplice or whatever you want to call it, but just the notoriety of being like the person she was talking to or right. confiding in or the, you know. Because he
1: knew people would talk about it. Yeah. It's a
0: small area. Mm-hmm. He knew
1: that people would be like, oh, we're so sorry, your friend, you know killed herself so Mm -hmm. yeah it it is something like that he i i I totally agree with you Mm -hmm. he i don't think he ever intended to like not be a part of this yeah like he wanted to be in the aftermath Mm -hmm. so i think that's why he walked up to the police Mm -hmm. it's like you know what here we go this is like almost like showtime for him you know what i'm saying yeah and so i totally yeah i totally agree with that but um so in utah at this time um They did not have a crime for assisted suicide. Um, So Tyrell would have to be charged with murder or manslaughter or nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Once they had the text message about basically saying that's getting away with murder, they felt they had enough to charge him with first degree murder. Um, The messages sent by Tyrell, I mean, he admitted, you know, on his own that he was obsessed with death, had planned the death of Chandra since... She found out, I think this is I honestly think this is what happened. Once he found out she had suicidal thoughts, I think he used that to his advantage. He prayed on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. she. I, I think that he just harped on her uh-huh. more than likely. Yeah. Um, I think he used that to his own advantage to act out his fantasies of murder. Mm-hmm. I really do. That's my opinion. And I think that's what the police believed as well. I, I agree with you 100% on that. But um, even after he was charged with murder, Tyrell would tell people that he knew he was going to get out of jail and that when he did, he wanted to get a noose tattooed all over his arm. And and apparently he would not shut up. Like, he talked to everybody. Yeah, his lawyers
0: told him, you need to be quiet. You're talking to... Everybody
1: like he was sending letters to friends outside of jail. He, I mean, he was basically mu-
0: telling them not to uh, cooperate. Well, at one point, yeah. At
1: first, he was telling basically just saying whatever he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Then his lawyers are like, "You need to be quiet." Mm-hmm. And so he then told his friends, "Okay, when the police come to you, use your right to remain silent. You don't have a right to remain silent as a witness unless you're under unless arrest. you're <laughs> under arrest." Right. So again, he's not as in tune with things as you would think Mm -hmm. um he also asked a friend to set up an instagram page for him and use the media to enhance his notoriety and to somehow profit off of Jandra's death and the trial he was determined to go to trial and that was one thing they had said originally like they had offered him pleas from the start and he would not take it he was determined that he was going to trial Um, He was obsessed with notoriety as well. I mean, I think that was, like we had talked earlier, that was a big part of it for him. Mm -hmm. He had tried to get in touch with Michelle Carter. Um, If you're not familiar with Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy, it's a similar situation. It's not exactly the same, um, but it is similar. So Michelle and Conrad were friends. Um, I've read conflicting reports. If they were romantically involved, I think not. But I've read both. I think they weren't, though. But um, so Conrad had told Michelle he wanted to commit suicide. He um, decided he was going to do it. He got in his truck and he was going to die by carbon monoxide. So he had plugged the exhaust and all that. So he's sitting in his truck and talking to Michelle while he's in his truck. She's not on the scene. She's somewhere else. Um, But... He's, te- she keeps texting him, like, you can do it, things like that. So it comes to one point, he tells her, I can't do this. You know, I've thought about what it's going to do to my mom, and I, I just can't go through with this. So he gets out of the truck. She texts him, you get back in the truck. You know, basically taunting him, saying, kind of like, you're a loser if you don't get back in the truck. Mm-hmm. So he gets back in the truck, and he dies. Mm-hmm. So Michelle was charged with... You know, I can't remember exactly what she was charged with, but she was on trial for this um it's so it's a similar situation, and he had tried to reach out to her to say, "I think we would get along great, Wow, so it's like you're a psychopath, I'm a psychopath, we'll get along Let's great get together, yeah, but that's similar, and so I think the difference though in the Michelle Carter case is she wasn't on the scene no. you know. Conrad, at any time, could have gotten out of the truck, cut his phone off, don't talk to her. You know, obviously, he had some serious issues. Obviously, yeah. But, and she used that to her advantage as well. So, I think it's clearer what you're use, what you're dealing with is narcissistic
0: behavior. Absolutely. Like, these two, like, they, they is, know they can convince somebody who already has something going on in their mind of, like, I don't want to be in this world. I, you know, I want out. They're like, I can make them do this. And this is going to give me a little bit of notoriety. Right. Because I'm going to be the friend. I'm going to be the girlfriend. Right. I'm going to be the one that they talk to. The one that. Oh, we're so sorry. The one that gets the condolences. The one that everybody's like, oh, they were such good friends. And you become the, you become the center of attention. You become the center of attention. Because you have nothing else. Mm-hmm. You have nothing else in your life. So you're going to destroy somebody else's life. to make a name family. for family. Yeah. To make a name for yourself. So they're alike in that point. But she was not there. She didn't. By a rope No She did not video it mm-hmm. She did not drive them out to where You know and Like he did with her Right He didn't. Ask, she didn't ask to dismember. dismember his body No
1: so While hers is I think extremely her, bad too I think hers is totally narcissistic Wanting the attention it is
0: more psychopath
1: Exactly I did, yeah. I, That's really what I think I think that he I think he is a serial killer Like that is textbook like if he was not in jail,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which who knows how long he will be. Yeah, I'm I, like I'm not comfortable with him being released. Yeah, I, I mean I think that behavior is like well, exactly what everything you that see. happened with
0: her, and then you pair that with the child pornography. Yes, because we've talked about that before. People who mess with kids or have that in their mind about kids and everything, they can't be rehabilitated. I'm sorry, don't come at me for that, but. You know, that's my opinion, and I'll stick to it. Because anybody hurts kids like that, they, they won't be Or even has up. the thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Because we see it this. It escalates. It
1: does. You see this in so many cases. It starts with just like, we talked about this, they peep. Mm-hmm. Then they take pictures. Then they start creating their own. And it's not good enough. Yes. They need the live. And then it ends up being, you know, yep. at the least, molestation, rape. And then at the worst mm-hmm they you know murder mm-hmm. so yeah that kind of thing it just, it's i agree with you on that i don't think it's there are a lot of things that you can be rehabilitated from i don't think that's one of them but um so tyrell like we said he had written letters to his friends telling them not to cooperate with the police so here again the police find this out and they're like okay well you know now you're going to be charged with um witness tampering. Mm-hmm. So, here he's going to be charged with um first-degree murder, witness tampering, and the child pornography charges. So, once this happens, he um, starts changing his mind about wanting to go to trial. And I have a theory about that. Most people, and this is sick and I don't understand it, most people are okay with being known as a murderer or, you know, an accomplice to murder. But they're not okay with being known as a child rapist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand why you wouldn't want to be known as that. But it's like, I don't know why you would want to be known as a murderer either. Mm -hmm. But I think once he thought that was going to come out, like he would have to talk about this in the trial. Yeah. I think, which they were going to hold that separate. Like it was going to be two different proceedings. But I'm still fairly certain they would have been able to talk about that because it was found on his phone during the investigation. Yeah, child
0: porn charges do not go over well in in prison with people. Right. And, you know, there's like a code of conduct amongst prisoners for people who child porn, you know, molesting kids, anything like that. Right. It's, it is. It's a honor amongst thieves, so to right. speak. Right. So, yeah, that would not have gone well for him, especially the kind of kid that he is. Right. He's, yeah.
1: So I think that that's probably what changed his mind about wanting the trial so bad. So basically, um, they offer him a plea deal. He has to plead guilty to child abuse homicide. Um, And he does. He pleads guilty to that. He receives five years to life in prison. Um, He's currently serving a sentence in Utah State Prison. Um, He also received up to five years for the sexual exploitation of a minor in regards to the child porn on his phone. Um. So basically, he admitted he, the thing about it is he never really denied anything. Mm-mm, no, I, I think I don't know. I guess the question is how do you, how what sentence do you feel is appropriate for this? Because what is his moral obligation here, and legally, how much can be
0: you know how, what can he really be expected? Well, my opinion is. Okay, yeah, he was 18, but um, he obviously knew what what he was doing with her, and um, he did see this as a way to get by with murder. This was going to be probably his first murder, Mm -hmm. like a stepping stone is what I feel like. So I feel like the fact that he purchased the rope, he, he tied the rope, he, you know, he... He said, "I planned it all." Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he said that to the police. You know, this was my plan. Right. So, it was murder, in my opinion. Now, murder by suicide. Murder by suicide. And I, I had. I mean, it's not like she was a, um, you know, stage four cancer patient with nothing. You yeah, know, no hope at all. That's or, what you I know, was going to bring up. Terminally
1: ill. I know people have mixed feelings about assisted suicide, but like you said, we're not talking about someone who's dying here. We're talking about a 16 year old girl who has her whole life ahead of her. She's healthy. She has some, you know, depression issues that could be helped if she didn't have this person in her ear
0: saying, you know, had he not been there, she would still be alive. Oh yeah, totally. But I think that's the deciding factor. Had had he not done all that he did, she would still be alive. And she could have had the chance to work through all the issues she was having. And right. she could have gone on to have a really good life and the chance to have a really good life. And he stole that from her and he preyed on the fact that she she had a lot of issues going on mm-hmm. in her mind. But like we said, she's a teenager. And they, uh, during the research, it said that uh, suicide is like the um, number one killer of teenagers, uh, fifteen to nineteen, right? Yes. For for girls, for women, and that's so shocking to me that that's that's what kills, you know, the majority of
1: girls. Well, you think? I mean, most people fifteen to nineteen are relatively healthy mm-hmm. because even if they have you know are, issues, have not started to happen yet. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're relatively healthy. So I mean, aside from like car wrecks, yeah. you know, something like that, accidents,
0: you would think, you know but just that that hopeless feeling of there's no way out right. like this is this is as good as it's going to get and I don't want it to get any worse so i got to do something about it i just feel so bad for all these people and the people that take advantage of people that are in that mental state they they should be held accountable for right. it and um no i i think his sentence is actually too light i totally agree I, because i
1: think he is a psychopath. I think that if he's let out of prison, he will commit another crime. I, I, I have think that no as well. doubt about that. I think and that as more well. than likely, it will be a kid. Mm-hmm. Because he's already into the child pornography and thing. I, I just, I think he needs to be, if not in jail, he needs to be in an institution where he can try to get help. I, I just, he should not be in society.
0: no. I, like, I totally don't support that. No. And the thing is, too, I feel so bad for both of their mothers. Because mm-hmm. I think they were both good mothers. And I feel sorry for Sue, obviously, because her daughter's never coming home. Mm-hmm. She's never going to get the chance to see her graduate high school or go into college, get married, you know, have grandkids. She She's never going get, to get that. And she was robbed of that. Right. And she tried to do what was right by her daughter. And I know she feels from that 48 hours that I watched on it, that she has tremendous guilt because she thinks that in her final moment, she thought that uh, Jander didn't, she thought that her mom didn't love her. Right. And that wasn't the case. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all gone through that, you know, where you think you're going to get in so much trouble and you don't want to go home and everything, but you, it's not the end, you know? that you can you can get in trouble and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You get in trouble and well, you move on from it.
1: Especially with her mother because she seemed very reasonable. I mean yeah. she said, you know, we're not gonna talk about this right now. We're both upset. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. I mean that's a very rational thing. Mm-hmm. So I can't picture her being the type that would like fly off the handle hours later yeah. over, you know, if you say stuff, so, it's usually in the moment. Yeah. And then you kind of feel regret bad. It. Yeah. But, you know, her having the, you know, mindset of, we're not going to talk about this right now, I think that shows how she did understand what Jandra mm-hmm. was going through. And she was trying to make it. Let, I mean, she had to be a parent. Yeah. She can't just totally say, well, you know, it's okay, you're, you're suspended from school, no big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had to say, you know, they had to talk about it. Yeah. But she, you know, was right. She was like, yeah, we'll talk about this. You know, I don't want you to go to work upset. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I just feel like, you know, she did try to do what she thought was right. And she did do what she thought was right. Yeah. And none of this is anyway... Her fault, yeah. But I know,
0: it being your own child, you, you would you would have that guilt, yeah. even if it's not your own fault and it's not her fault. And the same way I feel for uh, Tyrell's mom, she didn't. I mean, when the police first told her about it, she was like, "He wouldn't have been involved in something like that." You know, I mean, she knew he had had like depression and had weird thoughts and stuff like that. But to actually be assisting or actually pushing someone towards that, mm-hmm. she didn't think he would be involved in that. And I, so I felt sorry for her because she was robbed of her kid too. And um, at least for a while, at least for a while. And, and even when he comes out, if he comes out, I'm sure that that will be
1: well. And weird. I, I'm assuming he will probably have to register as a sex offender. Yeah. And I'm assuming he'll be tracked. Um, But you know, but, yeah, I know I feel bad for her, too, because she did not try to get him help, mm-hmm. you know, and she didn't think it was to the level that it was. Yeah. Nobody's going to think that about their own kid. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Who was going to think, you know, my child is really a serial killer yeah. in the making? Yeah. I mean, who's going to think that? Yeah. But, you know, but, no, I feel like, yeah, they both, you know, they both deserve sympathy in this because... They both try to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But one thing that did come out of this, um, the state legislator in Utah passed a new law, which now includes assisted suicide in its definition of manslaughter. So if this happened again, they would be able to immediately charge him with manslaughter. Yeah. So they wouldn't have to have the first-degree murder charge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that is something that came out of it. And like you said, like we talked about, this is a totally different conversation than a terminally ill patient who it's going to die anyway and you know will most likely go through pain and suffering i mean that is a totally different conversation mm-hmm. no matter what which side of it you think yeah. it's a totally separate thing mm-hmm. so, so yeah this is just totally taking advantage of her yeah. i mean it is he was a and basically it is what he wanted to do he yeah. got by with murder yeah so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting case. We'd like to hear if you know what your thoughts are on it, and you know, I just think that you can you know, there's a lot of ways to see it, I guess. But in my opinion,
0: yeah, I'd like to know what what everybody has to think about it. Do you think it's suicide, straightforward, or do you think it's it's murder? Right. Um. You guys can email us at info at one murder at a time dot com. Um. We'd also like to hear your stories. But we would like to take a minute, because uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't, to uh, give out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number, um, and that's 1-800-273-8255, especially if you're the parent or aunt or teacher or anything like that, and you, you have any, you know, teenagers in your life that, especially teenagers, I mean, you see it with kids as like eight years old mm-hmm. now, too. That it gets better. I mean, that's what they were talking about, too. You know, the, the time-wise for kids and everything like that. Remember when you were a kid and the summer seemed to last forever? That's because it took up such a big part of your... Like, if you were eight years old, three months was is a lot. really long time. Yeah. Because you do the math on that, what percentage of your life that is. When you get to be 35 or 40, three months... Makes up a tiny, significant percentage of what your life is. Right. And so it's the same thing with your emotions and all that. Everything you can work out. Everything can get better. You can reach out to people for help. And it's not the end. Right. And I, I want people to know that, to just...
1: Well, and that's the thing. A real friend who knew that somebody was in this much trouble would have asked for help for Mm -hmm. them. And even, like I said, even if they went to the point of they went there, they started doing it, how could you stand there for 10 minutes and watch somebody die? Mm -hmm. That is supposed to be your friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just don't, that says a lot to me, and that says a lot about what he should have been charged with, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Because, you know, there was opportunity to help. There, yeah. But anyhow, but so, yeah, if,
0: if you if you have a friend that's going through this, be a friend exactly, and help them out. Reach out to them. Let adults know. I mean, they got to get help because I mean, even if they don't want their parents to know, no, let you know a counselor or something. The, these crisis hotlines and everything—they are completely confidential. You don't have to say who you are or anything like that. But it just—it's not—it's not the end as a teenager, and I can't stress that enough that. Your life—you have no idea what your life will be like. You could end up curing cancer. You could, you know, end up being president. You don't know. You just, you just got to live your life, right? Give your chance. Give yourself a chance to actually live your life because at sixteen you haven't yet, right? So, um, yeah, we we wanted to do that one because we thought that that would bring up a lot of discussion, and we would love for you guys to email us and tell us what you think on that. And, um, yeah, this one's been interesting to tap into yeah but that's uh episode eleven the jandra brown story um thanks for listening we're uh over ten thousand downloads we are we're doing pretty good so wherever you're listening to us if it's spotify or um Apple <laughs> Paul's whispering to me <laughs> or apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you rate us and uh share it with your friends family we'd like uh more listeners and if you guys would share that that would be fabulous and um also if you'd like to learn more about
1: the cases that we've done um you can go to our website one murder at a time.com um there's episode guides where you can pull up the links of um, references that we've used and there's pictures and just interesting information about all the cases
0: yep so that's episode 11 and um I can't say it was a good time because it wasn't really a good time, but I enjoyed seeing you. Yeah. (laughs) So we will see you next time. I'm Tracy. I'm Andy. Later. Doses.